It is so good to be back and to share with you again. And like I've said, this is the biggest month for us as a church for many a year. And um, can't emphasize how important it is for you to come to those vision gatherings. And maybe you signed up for one and you missed it. And you think, oh, I missed it. Well, then come to another one, okay? Please come to another one. Tuesday night at 7.30 is our next one. We'd love to see as many of you here as possible. Um, So I wonder if you can tell me who these characters are on the screen. Anyone? Dan and Leon. Did you seriously say that? We are, that, that was Simon that said that. We have a vacant seat just emerging <laughs> as a church. So, I, you know, just let me pray about that. So I used to love watching these, uh, these guys when I was a kid, okay? They, they, it was in the 20s and the 30s. That's not when I was a kid, by the way. That's when, when they were around. And I used to love watching them. I even watched some silent versions, you know, before it went to, then they went, they were in that whole era of silent movies and then talkies. And what I used to love about their comedy, okay, yeah, it was slapstick and it was silly now when we look at it, but the timing was immense. It was brilliant. And especially I loved Oliver Hardy, who was the bigger guy, the one there. I loved the way that he used to look at the camera. Do you remember that? And he used to look at the camera in such a way that it brought you into the story. And then I discovered that that's actually an acting technique called breaking through the fourth wall. Ooh, didn't know that, did you? Breaking through the fourth wall. So basically, if, you were, if this is a, a live acting show, which it isn't, I'm speaking, okay? There's like, there's like three walls to the stage. The fourth wall is the wall that you look at. Breaking through the fourth wall is when the actors do something that brings you into the story. Shows like Modern Family, if you've ever seen that, they're brilliant at this. They talk to the camera all the time and they bring you in. It's called breaking the fourth wall. It's this idea that you need to break through to pull something or someone into the story which will change and transform the story. Now here's the thought. We all have walls inside of us or you could say ceilings. You could use either metaphor. We all have walls and ceilings and sometimes maybe we need to break through the fourth wall to bring God in because he's the only one that can break down the walls and the ceilings inside of us. And you might think, well, that's all very well and good, but actually walls and ceilings are important, and they are. They're really, really good. And I'm, I said that I'm going to share some stories about South Africa with you over the next three weeks uh, as, as I journey through. And um, when we arrived at, at the site um, three weeks ago, now nearly four weeks ago, my goodness, um, we, we arrived onto the base, and it was genuinely a mission trip because they took us to the accommodation, and there were wooden houses which they'd built on stilts, and they, they called them Wendy houses. And um, there were like six bunk beds uh, in this one and nothing else, no room for anything else. And um, there was a big field and the toilet block was over the other end of the field. And uh, it really was a mission trip. And so all of us guys were, were shown into the Wendy house where we were and all the girls obviously in theirs. And then Jeremy, who's the leader of the project, who's a friend of mine, he, he said to me, he was, it's all right, you're staying in our house. Thank you, Jesus, I said. <laughs> so... And then I was almost going to like put my bag there and then I just felt, do you know what, I shouldn't do that. I should go and stay with the other guys. <laughs> was a big mistake, was a big mistake. <laughs> but actually, so I did, I did. And actually, when they left, I stayed in the Wendy house as well, on my own in that, in that environment. And it did have walls and it did have a ceiling, just barely. But you see, what happened, and we were grateful for that, but what happened is that in the, in the night, because the toilets were the other side of the field, and in our little Wendy house, there were men of a certain age, uh, and we, we kind of felt a call from the Lord uh, in, in the night, and we'd have to go out of the Wendy house and across the field uh, and across swamps and jungles and wild beasts and what? Do you don't believe me? So the one night, 
like I wake up in the night and I really need the loo and so I thought I've got to go I've just got to go for it and so I opened the door trying not to wake everybody up but the Wendy houses were so fragile and the door was so stiff eventually the lock broke on this Wendy house it was so stiff that when I finally opened the door it shook and the whole thing shook like that and everybody got woken up so then I thought the next night if it happens again I'm, I'm not going to wake everyone up, okay? Because I, I, I'm empathetic and I, and I didn't want to wake everyone up. So the next night, I feel the call of the Lord again um, at, at a certain hour of the evening. And I thought, I'm not going to move. I'm just going to wait here. It's going to pass. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going wrong now. I'm, I'm, I'm freestyling now. It's going wrong. And so I'm lying there. I'm thinking, let me go to sleep, God. Please let me go to sleep. I don't want to wake everyone up. And then I notice a shuffle. Uh, to my left and one of the other gentlemen gets out and he goes out and the minute he goes out the door I'm following him (laughs) and the funny thing was as I do that there's another bloke behind me as well (laughs) so there's three of us tolling off to the loo like girls um so we we're grateful in our life we are grateful for walls and ceilings they serve a purpose and in fact in the second week of our trip we were taken to this house here's the picture now And on that land there, if you just see to the side, there's a little bit of a house. That house was built by the organization 10,000 Homes. They built it for a family. Usually they build homes for child-headed households. They build a home and they build hope for orphan kids. But this particular house was built for a family, a mom, a dad and a kids, but they didn't have anywhere to live. And they built them a house. And here's the story. And then... Uh, Lizzie, the, 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 the mother of the family, was befriending another lady. And this lady came out of, uh, she was a witch doctor. She was an alcoholic. She was in an abusive relationship. And she had a kid. And uh, she had nowhere to live. And where, where she was living was really unsuitable. She really had nowhere. And what Lizzie and Sophia, her husband, said to us and to the team there, said, look, you've built a house for us and we have some land. Could we build something for this family on this site? And would you help us? So in the next four days that happened, we got, and that's what we built. And it got some walls, and it got a ceiling, and it's got a floor, and it had electrics, and it had a window. But you know what? It was a home, and it was a potential for hope. So walls and ceilings are really, really important, and we value them, don't we? And certainly many of us have come back from South Africa really valuing what we have got, because we've seen and experienced what others have got or haven't got. So we really value walls and ceilings, but, but... There are walls that protect and there are also walls that restrict. There are walls that defend and there are also walls that limit. There are walls that provide security and there are walls that provide containment. So how do we know if the walls or ceilings within us are meant to be broken through? And here's my thought. When the walls prevent or restrict you from being what God says you are, the wall needs to come down. When the wall you have inside you prevents or restricts you from being who God says you are, then the walls need to come down. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. How do we break through the walls that are within us? If you've got a Bible, we're looking at Judges chapter 6. And there's an interesting backstory to to this talk. When I was in South Africa, I was preparing for this talk. I realized I needed to do it while I was away. And I was preparing and praying and this story came to mind and a whole load of thoughts and ideas came to mind. And then last Sunday I was speaking at a church in Johannesburg and it's a very large church of thousands of people and it was the first time I'd ever spoken there. So I was a little nervous and I uh, listened on their website to the previous guy and he spoke on Judges chapter 6 and virtually all the stuff that I wanted to say to you he said and he said it in such a good way that I'm going to borrow his framework because it was so good. And um, I want to kind of open this up with you, share my thoughts and some of his kind of titles and hopefully my prayer is that this will inspire you, 
will inspire you to say, Lord, if there's a wall within me that is restricting or preventing me from being who you say I am, I want to bring it down. Amen? Both of you are with me. Great. Judges 6, verse 1 to 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So Israel, which is kind of a picture of the church, if you like, a picture of the people of God, um, they were in crisis. They were in a mess. The enemies were so strong and were so intimidating that they found themselves restricted. They hid in caves. They hid in shelters. And they were in a real mess. And they began to cry out to God. And God sent them a prophet who spoke into the situation. But they didn't listen to him. So God ramped it up another level. And this is what happens in verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, a little bit of technical stuff here. The angel of the Lord, that phrase, the angel of the Lord, is literally a reference to Jesus. You see, we think that Jesus only appeared on the scene at Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, and we celebrated it at Christmas, but that's not the case. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our own image. Us? Who's the us, God? It's only you. No, it's us. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus always was, and always is, and always will be. He appeared as a man 2,000 years ago for 33 years, but he's always been on the scene. You know that, don't you? And there are lots of occasions in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when there's an appearance of the angel of the Lord and there's an implication that the reference is that was Jesus. When God says it's really serious, he sends Jesus. When it's really serious, he sends Jesus. And it was really serious, so he sent Jesus to call this one man out of the walls that were within him to be who God said he was going to be. But the problem was, God's expectation collided with Gideon's sense of limitation. And when God's expectation collides with your limitation, there are some walls that have to come down. And you know what? They're not in God. The walls are not in God, the walls are in us. And here were the walls. There were walls of hopelessness and apathy. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, the implication here is that he's not, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And you can see that inside this man, there are walls of hopelessness and apathy. And what he's saying is this, nothing will ever change for me. Nothing will ever change for us. Nothing will ever change for now. You, have you ever sensed that inside of you where you thought, you know, God, you do some amazing things, but you do it over there, you do it to them, and you do it in a different time, and you don't do it now. I've got news for you. That's not the truth. That is not the truth, because God, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we get that sense of apathy and hopelessness and we think, you know what, God will never come into my situation or God will never move mightily in my time or God will never move mightily in this place. 
But if only I lived in a different time, if only I had a different personality, if only I went to a different church, if only I was married to a different woman, if only I was married to a different man, if only I had a different set of kids, if only things were different, then God would do something. And I want to tell you, that's a wall of limitation that God wants to bring down. And God's expectation collides with his sense of limitation. And there can only be one winner here, and it's God. There are also walls of insecurity and inferiority. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Again, just some technical thing on words. The word weakest, literally in the Hebrew, means disheveled or messy hair. Okay, And the word least implies the runt of the litter. So in other words, Gideon's view of himself is this. I am the runt in the bad hair day tribe of Israel. He's not got a great self-esteem. But I want to tell you that that God greets Gideon with this. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. See, his expectation of who you are and your view of who you are are often different. And when God's expectation collides with your limitation, there's a wall and it has to come down. has to come down. And these are what I want to share with you this morning. The first, uh, first point is this. God's expectation is not determined by our limitation. God's expectation of us is not determined by our limitation. When we tell God why we can't do what he says we can do or why we're not qualified, do we think he's surprised? Do you think that the angel of the Lord that came to Gideon and said, Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon said, I'm the runt in the bad hair day tribe of Israel, by the way. The angel of the Lord turned to Gabriel and said, I think we've got the wrong sat-nav directions. I think we've got the wrong Gideon. Do you think that's what happened? No. You see, God knew exactly what was in Gideon before he called him. Because his expectation of you is not determined by your limitation. How you view you is not determined by... It does not determine how God views you. You know that, don't you? And what was incredible here is that, is that he kind of begins to speak to him almost as if he's not listening to him. Do you know what I mean? He hears what's coming back and he is listening, but his view, his expectation is at a whole different level. And he says, you know what, Gideon? My expectation of you is not determined by your limitation. Now, I want to read something out which I've written down. I want to get it absolutely right because this is so important. Please listen. He knows you. And calls you to change the world. And his view of you is not determined by your view of you, no matter how many walls you have inside of you. So did you hear that? His view of you is this, that you are a mighty warrior and you can change the world. And that is not determined by how many walls you have inside of you or your view of you. God's expectation is not determined by your limitation. And we all have walls inside of us, folks. We all do. How do we get these walls? Well, one of the ways we get these walls is through experiences that we go through in life. And um, when I was away, when when the guys left uh, left on the Friday, uh, South Africa, we'd had an amazing almost two weeks, seen some incredible things. I'll talk about that later. But but then they left and they they went off home. And it was a weird experience for me as a team leader because, you know, I I love leading teams and I want to take care of everyone, make sure everyone's all right. And we've taken X amount out. We're going to bring X amount back. Not always, sometimes I leave a few, no I'm joking. Um, but, but, but to wave them all off in the bus and them go and me stay was a weird experience. 
Then on the Monday, uh, I began a whole week of teaching on a discipleship training school for young people. There were Americans, Germans, Samoans, Africans, and then I was doing some investment in leadership as well. So really busy and a really amazing time. And one of the things that I was doing through that week was, was trying to teach uh, discipleship stuff. And, and I came to one session where I was saying, okay, so when we're following Jesus, because that's what a discipler is, what are some of the experiences that can happen in our life which can cause us to think, this is too tough, I want to quit. And I said, discuss, give me some. And this one African guy said this, in his early 20s, he said this, oh, I remember a time like that. When I was a child, I was taken out into the bush to be circumcised, because that's what happens in my, in my community. No anesthetic, just out in the bush at night. He says, and as they cut me, I was lying bleeding on the floor. I lay on the bush, uh, on, on the bush floor, and I looked up and saw the stars, and I thought I was going to die. And I said, God, are you really there? Oh my goodness. Because you see, when I say that question in our context, what are some of the experiences that you can go through that can cause you to want to quit? Then you can hear answers like, well, my iPhone broke. Or my friends were horrible to me. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not diminishing our culture. But all of a sudden I realized he was a life-shaping experience inside this young man that could have built an incredible wall against God. And then, and then one of the other things that happened during that week was um, the, all the guys on the base, about 25, 30 people, were encouraged to have one-to-ones with me as I was there as the guest, and many of them did. So literally every hour of every day, uh, I was in conversation, which was great, and I loved it. And I was in conversation one day with, again, another African guy, and I said, tell me your story. Tell me your story. He's in his 20s. And he said, well, when I was a, a little kid, my dad left me, and I never knew why. And uh, then one day he said, I was seven, and we were playing soccer in our community. So all barefoot in the, in the, in the, uh, in the soccer, uh, in the community. And, he says, and I realized that every other kid playing soccer that day knew that on that day, my dad was marrying another woman, and I didn't even know it. He says, and when I found that out, I ran back to my home, or my hut, is what he said. And I said to my mom, why did you never tell me? And she said, I was trying to protect you. He said, but from that moment, he said, something grew inside of me of hate, and I wanted to kill my dad. He said, but then I met Jesus and the love of God and the Father of God, the Father heart of God that I never knew softened my heart so that now I want to be a father to other kids who don't have a father like I did. And I thought, you see, experiences can either build a wall inside of us of limitation or they can open us up to what God wants to do. And you see, we've all had experiences, maybe not as dramatic as that, but we all have experiences and when an experience happens, we build a wall inside of us. And the other thing that happens is that words become incredibly powerful, don't they? You know, words are so powerful and so, so important. I don't know whether any of you are watching the Ryder Cup. Um, (laughs) I'm not because it's incredibly boring, but I'm sure some of you think it's great. But here's a golf story, okay, for those of you that think golf's great. Um, Arnold Palmer was played an exhibition match, and he played an exhibition match in Saudi Arabia, and the Saudi king said, I want to give you a gift what would you like? And the golfer said, what about a golf club as a memento? The following day, a messenger delivered to Arnold Palmer the title deeds to a golf club. 36 holes, trees, lakes, and buildings. When you're in the presence of the king, watch your words. Wanted a golf club. But you know, words can be incredibly powerful. You see, words are more than words. They are conveyors of ideas, stories, and messages. And I was chatting to some of the guys on the team when we were in South Africa about the school because I went to the same school as some of the, the girls just a long, long time ago. And it so happened that a teacher that taught me is, was still there and taught them. And he was the teacher that said to my mom, and I think I'm over it, although it might not be, you know, he'll never account to anything and he'll fail this exam. Those words can hit, can't they? 
Those words can shape. Those words can cause walls to rise up within you. But you know, words can also bring incredible freedom. Mary Ann Bird was born with multiple birth defects. She suffered not only from her physical impairments, but also with the emotional trauma of being different from everyone else. She says this, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade whom we all adored, Mrs. Leonard by name. She was short, round, happy, a sparkling lady. Every year we had a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class. Finally, it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper something and we'd have to repeat it. Things like, the sky is blue or do you have new shoes? I waited there for those words that God must have put into her mouth because those seven words changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. Hmm. Ah. But those words can change a life, can't they? And you in this room... And me, we've all been in situations through experiences where words have been spoken over us which have either set us free or have started to create a wall. And what happens then is that those experiences, uh, you know, and those words start to then end up as a belief or a mindset. And then before we know what happens, what we do is we take like a trowel, which I believe this is a trowel, not that I've ever had one in my life before. And what we do is we take cement and we cover it up and we solidify all the bricks in the wall and make the wall even stronger and stronger and stronger, don't we? And we do that because we think that we are protecting ourselves from further hurt. So when you've been disappointed, the last thing you want to do is to be disappointed again, so you build a wall. When you've been in love and you've had your heart broken, the last thing that you want to do is to be in love again because you've been hurt and you know what it feels like, so you start to build a wall. And you know, I sensed this morning as I was praying uh, for us this morning that there are some of us here this morning and some of you are, are people that perhaps aren't yet a follower of Jesus. Okay? You've never accepted Jesus. And this may be, you may feel this is not really pitched at you this morning. Okay? But you're kind of getting like a backstage pass here into some stuff that's really important for us as a church. But we hope that you don't check out, but that you do listen. Because actually there are many people who are not yet a follower of Jesus and they've built a wall as well. They've built a wall between them and God. And they've declared and decided that there is no God when they haven't actually really checked it out for themselves. Or they've decided that science has disproved God when they haven't really explored that for themselves. Or they've had bad experiences with church or with Christians, so they've built a wall between them and God. But you know what? You're in good company this morning because there are some Christians who are here this morning and you've also built a wall. And some of us have built a wall towards God. And some of us have built a wall to each other. And some of us, I felt, have built a wall towards church. Because some of us here this morning, you've had a bad experience with church or with Christian leaders. And can I want, to, I want to suggest to you, if that experience is restricting you from being who God has said you to be, that wall needs to come down. We need to learn to trust again. We need to learn to risk again. And will you get hurt by another Christian leader? Of course you will. Because none of us, especially this one, is perfect. But God has said that we're meant to be in community with Him and with one another. And the walls that separate are the walls that need to come down. So let's look at this a little bit this morning. 
you know, the second thing is God doesn't adjust his expectations to meet our limitations. So God's expectation is not determined by our limitation. And then he doesn't adjust his expectations to meet our limitation. So he doesn't say to Gideon, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior and you will change the world. And Gideon says, here's my wall, here's my wall, here's my wall. And so then Gideon says, and God says, all right, let's adjust it. Don't be a world changer. Just read your Bible every day and be really good. You see, God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. God just keeps going. It's almost like Gideon said, God, are you listening? And I think God's saying, not really. Because <laughs> to be honest with you, Gideon, I am listening and I do know because I knew before you spoke, but my expectation of you is not going to be adjusted to meet your limitation. You are the one who's going to need to change. You are the one who's going to need to change. And Gideon, you think that your weakness somehow disqualifies you from what I want you to do, but actually it qualifies you. The Bible says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 12, 9, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. What we see as a limitation, if we give it to God, God uses it. God uses it amazingly. And what disqualifies us in our mind is actually what qualifies us in God's. And I want to say to you, do not adjust your, uh, or do not try and adjust God's expectation for you to meet your limitation. It won't work. There was a, an American girl on, on the base that I got to know quite a bit and she was amazing, just 22 years of age and she led a whole big chunk of what we were doing when we were there. But I had a few one-to-ones with her and she shared me a little bit about a relationship that she just finished in the States and broken up and thought it was going to go down the track to marriage, but it didn't. And we were talking and sharing and stuff and she said this one and she said, you know what, all I asked for was two things. Does he love Jesus and does he want to change the world? 22. Says, and he obviously didn't, the second one. And, I, and I, I left the conversation, and those two questions really got in my mind, and she taught me a lot through that. I was there as the teacher to teach her, but actually, I think the best teachers are the ones who are learning. And, and um, get that for free. And, and I was, I was talking to her, and I came away, and a couple of days later, I felt I should go back to her, and I, felt, I, I went back to her and said, Do you know what? I really feel God is saying this. Do not ever drop the bar. Do not ever drop the expectation that you have for your life partner. Does he love Jesus and does he want to change the world? Why should you drop that expectation to meet a limitation? You go for it, girl. And I wonder if for some of us, we've got to a stage in our life where we know what God's expectation is on us, but we've dropped it to the level of our limitation and God says it's time to bring down that wall. It's time to bring down that wall. It's time to bring down that wall. So how do we break through the walls that are within us? And here's the third and final point. Let's let God's expectation become our inspiration. So God's expectation of us, let's let it become our inspiration to break through those dividing walls. How are we going to break through the walls that are within us? The first thing we need to do is we need to name them. We need to name them. We need to say, this is the wall I have inside of me. Jesus said, the truth will what? Set you free. But here's the thing, the truth will set you free, but not until it's finished with you. You see, what we tend to think is that, oh yeah, I know this is within me, so there, it's in the truth, but it won't set you free until it's finished with you. I, I love this little uh, thing that I saw on the TV. I, was, I think we were on holiday um, uh, um, over the summer, and we were watching uh, one of the games from the Brazil World Cup. And as the camera scanned around the crowd, there was this great placard that was up, and it said this, don't film us, we told our wives we were fishing in North Wales. <laughs> I just absolutely love that. The truth will set you free, you know. <laughs> and the truth will set you free, ladies and gentlemen, but not until it's finished with you. 
And it's not just enough to name it and to say, I have this wall. I have this wall of protection in me because I was hurt when I was a kid or I went through a bad marriage breakup and I built this wall and I'm not going to let anybody or God get any close. It's not enough just to name it because that won't set you free. You've got to do something else. You've got to face it and you've got to walk towards it. And you've got to begin to take it down, maybe even one brick at a time. And to face the walls that are within us takes courage. And I love this. this is my favorite quote. I've read it lots of times. I know that. Here it is again. Sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, just 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery. And I promise you something great will happen. Just 20 seconds of insane courage, of embarrassing bravery, and something great will happen. When we name it and we face it and we walk towards it, something happens. But do you know what? Those who do not move don't notice their chains. Those who do not move don't notice their chains. And we often sit there and we're not moving and we don't notice the chains or the walls that are in our life. But when we begin to move and we begin to face it, we begin to realize what's there all the time. You know, I saw in our team those first two weeks in South Africa just an incredible transformation. Now, I know it can happen on mission trips and doesn't mean that you'll keep it. I know that. But what I saw in those guys and girls over that two weeks was amazing. It was breathtaking. Just seeing... And I hope they won't, they know I love them so much. Just some of the hardness and some of the indifference and some of the shallowness of us, me as well, early on, how God changed that over 10 days was incredible. Because what happens is that when you're in a situation like that, you see in others something that reflects you and you don't like what you see in yourself. Actually, what happens is that you see the walls that are inside of you all the time, don't you? And when we looked in the lives of other people on the team, in the community, and then when we started looking at ourselves in the mirror of that, we didn't like that, and we started to see walls inside us. And to sit in a room, to sit in a room and see these uh, African kids dancing for us, and then uh, and then doing some uh, stories, and then they said we want to do a drama for you, and the name of the drama is child abuse. And so these teenage uh, guys and girls enacted child abuse where this girl was abused by her stepdad and then was abused twice sexually by her teacher. And they acted this out for us. And to look at our guys who one by one were broken, broken in tears, who wouldn't have been broken eight or nine days before. But what happens is that when you look and you see that and you reflect it back, you realize the walls that are inside of you and God begins to bring them down. Isn't it? So what about letting God's expectation become our inspiration. Uh, but the, the third thing that we've got to do is that we've not just got to name them and know what they are. We've not just got to face them and walk towards them. Ultimately, we've got to surrender them to God. And here's where it gets really exciting for Gideon. And I want to share this with you, which I've shared many times in this church, and I've done it recently, but it's so important. And God keeps bringing me back to this. It's so important. So even if this is only important for a few of you today, I'm going to do it. But what, when, when it really changes for Gideon, is when he says, okay, yes, God, I'm going to go to your expectation. I'm going, to, I'm going to try and step over these walls. I'm going to break these walls down. I'm going to bring them down. He then starts to move forward. And then something happens in Judges 6, verse 33. It says, now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. In the original language, that literally means the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. So, Dan. You come and join me on stage for a minute. So here's the, here's the picture, and I know I've done it before, and some of you will know it, but it's so important because we forget it. When we read in the Bible, okay, that the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon, what we imagine is that this is Gideon, and this represents God, and so 
Gideon puts on God. But here's the thing, when you read it in the original language, okay, and when you look at what it originally said, it doesn't imply that at all. What it actually implies is something very different. What it implies is that this is God and this is Gideon. So it's not like Gideon puts on God. What actually happens is that God puts on Gideon. So what Gideon does is he surrenders to God and says, listen, I've got all these wars of limitation. I want to name them. I want to face them. But ultimately, I can't bring them down. Only you can do that. And when we're so open to God that every morning we wake up and we surrender and we say, Lord, today I'm yours. I've got limitations. I've got wars. I want to bring them down in Jesus' name. Let your expectation be my inspiration. I surrender to you. Would you fill me today? Would you wear me? Would you put me on like a suit of clothes? And through my life, would you touch and transform the world? Because what God says is that we are mighty warriors who will change the world. But we need to surrender. And we need to say, Lord, I give you myself. Please, would you fill me? Would you wear me today? And through my life, would you touch a world? And would you bring down walls out there as well as walls in here? Thanks, Dan. You can take the jacket. But give it me back. <laughs> so I asked the band to come back up. And let me, let me read something for you. See, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, read it from the message, God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Towards the end of my time on the the base, there was a big wall, corrugated iron. And one of the American girls was really creative and she'd often wander around painting and doing creative arty stuff. And she wrote this on, on the wall bring down the wall and I just felt God speak to me when I, when I looked at that the one night and I took that photograph and said God would you bring down the wall in me because I've got them and Lord would you bring down walls between us because I've got them with other people as well and we'll look at that next week and God there are walls in front of us and we're going to look at that the third week God would you bring down the wall because if any wall is restricting or preventing you or me from being and experiencing who God says we are and what we should experience we need to bring down the wall we need to bring down the wall and you know the great news is this morning that in the book of Micah chapter 2 it says the one who breaks open the way will go up before them they will break through the gate and go out their king will pass through before them the Lord at their head you see, the reason I'm so confident this morning about this message is that I am, uh, I'm not the wall breaker. God is. He's already broken down all the real walls. And so when we surrender to Him and we say, Spirit of God, would you break out? Spirit of God, would you break in? Would you break through? Would you break out? He can break down walls. He can break down walls. So this morning, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, maybe you say, do you know what? I'm going to begin to take down the wall. I'm going to do something. and I'm going to kind of surrender to this God guy and let's see what he does. Maybe you're a Christian this morning and you know you put up walls before God or before other people, maybe even before church. And you say, do you know what? I thought I was protecting myself, but the only person that was missing out was me. Maybe this morning is the morning when you can take that 20 seconds of insane courage, embarrassing bravery, and I promise you something great will happen. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you this morning that you're an amazing God. Father, we... Oh, so in awe of you, Lord Jesus, that you would send your son, God, to break down the wall that separated us from you. And God, the walls that grow inside of us, the walls that we build, 
experiences and words and beliefs and mindsets, Lord, when they restrict, when they limit, when they are underneath your expectation of who we are, God, they have to come down. So Lord, I pray that this season for us as a church, this next month, will be an incredible breakthrough season where wars will come down inside of us, where wars will come down between us, where wars will come down in front of us. And God, we will move into a new dimension in you. Because God, you're not going to adjust it. You're not going to adjust it. You're not going to dumb it down. You're not going to reset the bar. God, we're the ones that need to move. We're the ones that need to change. And we can do that when we take that 20 seconds of courage and when we surrender to your Spirit. Incredible things can happen. So Father, would you come? Holy Spirit, invite you in these 10 minutes or so that we have left remaining. Fill this space in by your presence. And Lord, I pray that many of us will begin that process right now naming and facing and walking towards and surrendering and saying, Lord, Lord, would you bring down the wall? Bring down the wall in Jesus' name. Why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand?